I'm your host, Glenn Alex, and this is The Glenn Alex Show. Each episode of The Glenn Alex Show focuses on a different aspect of health because I believe in total health and the whole person. All of you matter. And I am on a mission to help as many people as I can be joyful, connected, confident, and complete the life experience I call wealth, W-E-L-L-T-H, which is health plus other riches. So I hope you join us on this path to make this world safe and loving for everyone. And I'm excited about this episode of The Glenn Alex Show because we get to look at family in a different light. So please help me welcome my guest, author, Aaron Shelley. Hi, Aaron. Hey, Glenn. Thanks a lot for giving me the opportunity to talk with you. I'm really excited. Oh, well, thank you so much for, for being here. I'm excited too. <laughs> so before we get into any of the, the meat of the topic, please just introduce yourself. Tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah, so I started, I did, did a mechanical engineering undergraduate, then I did a business degree. And then following that, I've worked at a lot of companies, um, some of them startups, I've also, I kind of ended up being an accidental author because I worked with another author on his book, but mostly what I work with is technology and business. Okay. And an accidental author. How does that happen? I was helping another, I'd just gotten through with a startup that didn't end well. And then my mom said, Hey, there's this professor at the university that I went to. He's writing a book on family and business, actually family and entrepreneurship levels. And so I talked with him and I was kind of interested in it. I had time. And so I talked to him about uh, what his topics were, researched different family structures for him, and then started to come up with my own ideas for how he should write his book. So I came up with about 50 pages of, hey, here's this model, use it for your book. I think this is a better thing than what you're using. And he said, no, that's your book. So it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't like I was, I so want to be this author. I just, <laughs> did it. And then I actually stepped away from it. I almost had it published about five years ago. And then I stepped into kind of a technology role where I grew a company from about 20 to 180 people. And so now I've had a chance to step back from that. We just took about, took $50 million in funding a year or two ago. And so I had the opportunity to step away from that. So now I'm back on the help. How can I help people and how can I help other families? Okay. Oh, that's, that's awesome. And, and you know, the, for me, sometimes in life, uh, doors open, a lot of people plan their journey and they have these step-by-step -step ways of, of their path. I love it when doors just open and we intuitively follow them. To me, that is very, very rewarding. So congratulations. Thanks. I, I love planning as well, but I think there's a Mike Tyson quote that says, uh, the best laid plans Everyone has a plan until they get hit in the face, I think is what he <laughs> says, right? And that's kind of, I think, think how life was for me. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you could take a punch and, and get up. <laughs> Multiple punches, yes, but it's fun. Okay. So was that door opening what led you to this work? Um, there were two things. There were me kind of working in business and family that did it. But then there was also a friend of mine my mom sent me an article about a friend of mine who was getting sentenced to life in prison for rape and attempted murder. And he was, I had known, I hadn't talked to him for 10 years or so, but we had been, you know, in the same school, same wealth, same church, same activities. 
And so that kind of started my engineering brain obsessing about this because I have four children. And I was like, if this happens to me, I'm a, I, I don't want that to happen to me. I don't want it to happen to my children, more importantly. And so how do I prevent them from going down some of these paths or at least help them avoid it if I don't understand what happened? Okay. Okay. And so what did you learn in that research? In that research, it was a matter... My book, I talk about the flywheel effect. You get good friends and then you'll get more good friends or money because more money if done well. Well, in his case, he had, I think he had played football. He had been on the, the team and then he kind of had some drug stuff that he got caught up in for, I think, pain management. And then he kind of got stuck in this cycle of not getting a job and not have, being able to hold a job. And so there was a lot of just this, in business, we call it a death spiral where you're getting worse and worse and you're not getting uh, better and better. So that's where I looked at it. And there were some family issues actually in his, his, his parents had been divorced. And so there were some father issues that he had as well. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I hope um, that helps you be a better parent. And I hope, you know, those, those, we can always learn from other people's experiences, right? I hope yep. those kinds of stories help other parents just be better with their ch children and can create the successful family that you talk about. So give us an overview of how families and businesses are similar. Well, so at a very basic level, every business has what we call a business model. It has a, a strategy, like what it's trying to accomplish. It has a structure, how they're going to do those with meetings, rituals, those type of things. And then you have culture which is the beliefs. Every company has that. Google had that when it was competing against Yahoo. Google was a million dollar company and Yahoo was a $91 billion company. And somehow Google is now a trillion dollar company plus and Yahoo got sold to Comcast for something 20, $30 billion. So okay. it's really about the business models, really how you make decisions with the resources you have. And that's why Google won. And that's why you see uh, companies like Walmart has a different business model. They'll have a different culture than Google will, right? So all all companies have different business models. Sometimes they're similar, but that's the metaphor that I think I like to use because all families are different. You know, some families get divorced. Some families have a death. Some families don't have children. You know, there's so many different variants. It's much more about understanding the principles to build a successful family than saying this is the only way to make a successful family. Okay. So, I mean... Okay, so Google went from what one million to what did you say? It's, I think it's one. I think it's one and a half trillion dollars is its current valuation. Holy moly! Okay, so why don't more businesses follow that model? <laughs> well, it, it their their strategy. Some of it's timing, but their strategy was organizing the world's data, and so they were very Larry Page and Sergey Brin when they started. They're engineers. They weren't like super interested in the money they were interested in making the impact and organizing things okay therefore they spent a lot of money on their search making the search the best experience for the customer whereas yahoo they were making their money off display ads at the time and so they wanted you to come to their website you know spend time go through their portals they weren't trying to help you get to what you wanted they were trying to help you or <laughs> help help them make money while kind of helping you and so oh, okay so that was a little bit different in terms of that strategy. And, and so you can't, I mean, I think it's a good strategy generally. How do you add the most value to your customers? And if you do that, then most people 
tend to find you quite valuable. You see that same strategy or similar mentality, I guess, in Walmart, where they're trying to keep prices low for American families. Okay. So how can families employ the Google effect? So first, it's you have to look at your strategy and your structure and your culture and make sure they're aligned. For instance, if I if I want if I'm a doctor or want to become a doctor and I don't have delayed gratification, that's a bad combination. I have to have this ability to wait because I mean my brother-in-law, I think it took him till he was 31 before he graduated with his medical degree and then he was in a ton of debt. Wow. So if you wanted all the nice things in life early, he wouldn't have been able to do that. Like you have to have delayed gratification, you have to have a strong work ethic. You have to you also have to deal with a lot of pain and figure out a life, you know, how are you going to build your family? You're going to delay your family so you don't have kids because you're going into debt. It's some and you don't have a lot of income because you're paying for your uh your education. So it's that's where I say it's it's a lot around if you're going to be a doctor, that's great, but you kind of need to make sure you're not like, oh, and now I'm going to have six kids while in the medical program. And how's that going to work with your wife? Is your wife working? Great. Who's taking care of the kids? So it's really just figuring out roles and responsibilities, some of those structure things uh, with your with your spouse, if you have one. Okay. So so how do you recommend that families go about um, identifying an appropriate strategy, defining their culture, and setting up a a structure that's an effective structure. Sure. Well, so the culture is probably the one that we obviously know, right? We have our culture that we got from our parents. What are our beliefs? Mm -hmm. Do we believe that for some reason I can't make it? Do we believe that my, like in my family, my dad was an academic and you have to go through a lot of learning. And one of his quotes was, there are no failures, just learning opportunities, mm -hmm. right? That's a very scientific approach where you sometimes you do research and you don't find the results you want. So the culture is often much harder to change, but you can usually kind of identify it. Like, what do you really value? Do you really value novelty or do you value security? So a lot of that's trying to help understand yourself. Okay. So that's, so your culture, and a lot of times you can look to your parents and, and then you kind of go, well, what would I rather have more money or better relationships more? <laughs> and I have, I have a worksheet, worksheet on my, on the website, the family flywheel that can kind of walk you through that. I also talk through in the book, different strategy structures and cultures. But so if we go back to what's your culture, usually you can kind of figure that out. What do you believe? Then you go through what's your structure? What are your meetings that you're going to have with your spouse, with your children? What is your timing? What's your schedule going to be? Most successful people I know, they have a fairly regimented routine in the mornings and in the night to make sure that they're kind of operating at peak levels. Mm -hmm. And then and then you kind of look at this strategy, that's kind of the most important. What is your purpose? Like, What do you feel like you need to do in this life? And that can change over time, but what are you driving towards? And so that's the part of that strategy is like, what is your purpose? If your purpose is to heal people, great. That means you could be a doctor, a nurse, you could go into mental health care. You could, there's so many different areas. So you kind of then choose your, what careers do you want to, are you interested in? And then those strategies you look at, like, if you want to be a doctor, okay, does your career support that? If not, you know, or your, or your culture support it. If your culture doesn't support it, maybe you go into the military, like a friend of mine to get, become a doctor. Cause then he didn't have to pay off debt. 
right? So that's some of the structure stuff. But he had to stay in the military for four years. So this is kind of the structure stuff. He wanted to be white collar, but he went military first. Then he kind of transitioned into this white collar. Okay. So, does that make sense? It, it, it does. It does. And, and it, it begs the question, um, the, the family has a goal. So they have a strategy to attain that goal mm-hmm. that's built upon their culture and the structure, if I'm understanding correctly. Mm-hmm. What, what if a member of the family has a different goal? Well, it's not uncommon for children to sometimes have different goals. It's very challenging if the spouse, if your spouse has a different goal. I mean, this is why I say the business lens is so interesting. Like if you and I said, we're going to go into business and I said, I want to go start an accounting firm. And you say, I want to go do podcasts. You say, ah, maybe we're in the, (laughs) we shouldn't go into business together (laughs) because we don't have the same goals. Right. And I think a lot of people aren't really looking at that. I've had a number of I, I currently am doing some consulting. There's a woman that I do. She's very successful, but she was at one point, she was like, yeah, my goal is I want to have a family. She had been divorced and had two children. And she's like, but now I want to be a this VP and I want to marry this guy who's super, super strong. And I was like, well, the super strong guys in the, in the you know, that are executives, they usually focus on their career, but you're focusing on your career. Who, who do you want to, you want to have two more kids and you have two kids already. Who's doing what? Like just logistically. Right. And if so, if you can find a guy who wants to stay home, maybe that's the guy you want. But she's like, well, I don't want that guy. Well, just <laughs> let's just think through. And she's having trouble dating. And I'm like, well, maybe the problem, the reason you're having trouble dating is because you're trying, you don't even know what you're looking for. And it doesn't even make sense. So even if I found a guy like that, who was an executive, he'd be like, I don't want a girl like you because I need someone to stay home. So it's really not, and it's not saying any, this is why I say the, it's not a a right or wrong. It's just trying to look at the logistics. How are we going to complement each other? Right. If you look at it, we wanted to start a business and you say, I want to do a podcast. And I say, I want to do video editing and I'll help you. Great. That sounds like a good business. We could be good partners, but that's really where I think a lot of people now, for some reason, aren't thinking of it like this is a partnership for a greater goal it's well she's hot so let's get married or let's move in right and and we can talk more about relationships later but i have to say now that i i i have clients who have relationship issues and they i tell them it's a business agreement up front you have to your goals have to be aligned for the partnership to move in the same Mm -hmm. direction successfully, you know, because a lot of times there'll be these unspoken and unrealistic expectations that never get talked about until, you know, the shit hits the fan, so to speak. So (laughs) 100%. (laughs) It's a business up front. They say, well, that takes all the love out of it. No, that leaves room for more love. Yeah. Well, and, and like you say, there's some people who go into marriages, they're like, it's 50 50 and you're like yes in the u.s it is a 50 50 it's a contract when you're married 50 percent of the resources go to either party if you were to split up so this it is a contract mm-hmm. and so you you can't sit and pretend like well the purpose we're getting married that we take out love love is something that holds it together but it's really like what parts are we going to play in this because the older i got you know when i was young it was like oh there's only this one person in the whole world that i could ever be married to blah 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 like we kind of were pushed this agenda but as i've seen i'm like there's a lot of really great people 
it's really who do you want to work with and who do you want to create a life with? Yes. Yes. Okay. So that's a problem if the spouse has a different goal than the family. What if one of the children has a different goal than what the family has decided or is working toward? And does it make a difference the age that child has a different goal? Yeah. I mean, this is the same thing you'd have in a company, right? If you were working at a company, I worked at Ancestry and the goal was, or our mission was to connect families across distance and time. Okay. Right. And, and so if someone's like, well, I don't care about that. I just want to work in fashion. Okay. <laughs> There's a problem. I mean, you can't, you don't fire your kids the same way, but a lot of companies you're like, well, what are we about? And I don't know that a lot of families necessarily have an identity. So it's not like the, you're saying, hey, you're not doing this, or you, you don't want to do this thing. It's like, well, what are we doing together? Do, you, do your kids need to be involved? But if they want to go off, and I mean, that's kind of where you want to make your your broad umbrella, is, is, is your goal to create this family that's the next Carnegie's, you know, this massive thing? Or is it to create a family that supports each other? helpful, you know, creating successful kids. Cause there's a point where you always see kids want to rebel a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so you're like, well, is this a learning thing or is this a, no, I want to burn your house down. Like I hate this company. I hate my, I hate this family. Everything you've taught me is crap that, you know, that doesn't happen as much. So it's like, what is the goal of the family that they could be involved in? Okay. Okay. And, and would you say that all of the goal, um, the, the 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 family identity, all of that comes from the culture. It comes, yeah. It should be in the culture. I mean, the parents should be living it. If you're saying, okay. my goal, I mean, that's there's a book by um, a venture capitalist Ben Horowitz where he talks about culture. He's like, you can't have a culture if you're not living it. And in a small company, you are the culture. Right. If there's two people, are you guys hard workers that do whatever it takes? Or are you, you know, eight to fivers who check out? So it's like that's where you, the culture is really defined by the parents. The problem that I see is it's not it's not defined outright. You know, so there's places where you may say conflict is good. It's good to have different opinions. We just need to have productive discussions. But if you don't outline that for your children, you may believe that. But then your children and I've seen this with some of my siblings they don't believe in conflict is good in relationships. Okay. Right. And so it's, it's like, how are the parents outlining what they think are the important elements of the family relationship and explaining it to the kids. My experience has been that most kids are just kind of pieced together. Well, mom did this and dad did this. And <laughs> therefore here's what our family is. They're just trying to make sense of it. So it's up to us as parents to be a little more, uh, descriptive about what our values are and explain them to our kids and teach them, right? That's kind of the important thing for us as parents is to teach the kids our business model, because if you've been successful, you're really trying to help your kids be successful. Like, here's what I learned. (laughs) Please make different mistakes. It'll be interesting (laughs) for both of us. Don't make the same ones I did. Right, right. Well, I love that you said the parents must live their culture. Mm-hmm. You, you can't just say it because kids tend to pay more attention to what you do 
and yep. not what's said. So thank you for, for pointing that out. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a little bit about like my dad, for instance, he loved learning. And every time I'd wake up at like 6 a.m. randomly, you know, if I was sick or something, I'd see him studying. And it was like it was clear what he valued. Or later, I remember he was kind of the chubby, normal dad. And then for some reason, he kind of got into yoga and all of a sudden he's doing this weird crap. I'm like, oh, you're one of these weird people who loves to learn, who loves to push yourself, who will be disciplined. Yes. And it was very clear from his actions. But I think there was a point where he missed out on some of the alliterating what his cultural values were and what they meant. Okay. Right. Okay. Okay. So what... Um... What part does social resources play in the family, the business of family? Yeah. So if we, let's go to the business real quick. So if you say each business has financial resources, money, property, tools, those type of things, it has social resources, which would be its one-on-one relationships, its, its group relationships, and then its brand or its reputation. Okay. So that's every business has those marketing and sales really are the social people there. And then you have human resources, which are the people and their abilities, their time and their health. So that's a business. Well, if you look at a family, we have the same thing in our communities. We have our relationships with each other. You talk about those in your book, right? How do you have good relationships and boundaries and those type of things? And then you're looking at your groups. What groups are you associated with? You know, are you going to a church? Do you go to sports groups? What other groups, because a lot of times people in groups, even if you don't know them, they will help you, right? And then you have your reputation. And over time, we build our reputation. And then if we do well, we can kind of pass that reputation on to our children. Like, oh, you know, this is this is Glenn's child. We know how they're going to act. Because if they don't <laughs> act that way, we know she's going to make it right. Right. I mean, that's kind of the thing when you have a reputation in your community. That's where I think there's those social connections. And if we lately we've been pushing very heavily to judge our success purely based on our financial, you know, success. How much money do I make at a job? And that's caused a lot of families to go to income and then they ignore those social connections and those social relationships which I think leads to a lot of the mental health problems. It also leads to a, you know, disintegrating relationships even within the house between the spouses and between the children. So that's where I say those social resources are super important for a company. And you would never say to a company, ignore marketing and sales. It would be retarded. But we do that. We've done that for some reason with families. Wow. That's a lot. And it's important. Um, and and I think that anytime we only focus on one outcome, money, mm-hmm. then we do um we we starve ourselves of the more important intangibles in life. And our social connections are huge because we are social creatures. Yeah, this is one of the things I point out too, is there's things like when we move. Sometimes we'll be like, oh, I can go to get a job in a different city, $10,000 more, $20,000 more. Yes, but how much of your social connections are you giving up, mm-hmm. right? It's This is the other thing that's interesting in companies. If you look at that, like Nike, their brand is worth so much. But even on their balance sheet for their financials, they call it goodwill. There's no way to know how much the brand is actually worth. And that's the same thing in our social connections. It's hard to say, 
well, me moving and it'll give me away from my parents. And so I won't have that social support. And then when I have children, they won't be able to help out. So there's all these things that make it difficult. I, my wife and I teach in, my wife teaches Irish dance. We run an Irish dance school for the last 20 years. And if my sister lived close by, then I could say, Hey, come and put your kids in the class and we can do it for free. But since she lives in a different state, I'm not going to take money and pay for her lessons. Right. That seems weird. So it's a weird thing. Like by her moving to where she does, where she went, which is six or eight hours away, I'm unable to give her a lot of the social support, which I could for free just because she's not here. Okay. Okay. So social resources are huge. How do you recommend families approach, um, resource allocate allocation because i have i have clients whose parents demanded that every child do the same thing the same way at the same level of efficiency and success that's just not realistic because we're individual we're different Mm -hmm. how do you suggest parents approach that responsibly (laughs) The, the resource allocation well this is coming down to what is your goal and mission Right. If your goal is to have a tight knit family and to have really strong bonds there that are supportive, that'll help you through life, then you better be investing in activities that are family related. Right. I took my kids skiing. We all learned how to snow ski together. We all learned to mountain bike together. We did a lot of those activities together. We went hiking. I live in Utah. So Southern Utah has five national parks, which are gorgeous. So we did those type of activities. And there's some people who are optimizing, well, I want my kid to, this kid is going to play soccer. This one plays football. This one plays this. And then they just are kind of like, well, we can never spend family time together because everyone's just being shuttled from activity to activity. So I think it's a prioritization of, well, which ones do you care about? And what are you giving up? Because you want your kids in some activities, but you don't want it to take over your family life or you won't have a strong culture. So it's 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 kind of what is your purpose what is your overall goal as a family? And are you driving towards that? That's really how you have to prioritize. Okay. So have you encountered the family, say, for example, that is sports oriented? They love outdoor stuff. They love watching games, attending, um, you know, these sports events, et cetera. And then there's this one kid who is not athletic and who's just simply not interested. They'd rather read a, read a book. And so the adults I deal with, they, you know, ostracized, feeling worthless and et cetera. So have you encountered that kind of situation? And if yes, how do you handle it? So I've seen it with, with my own children. I had a, like when we did skiing, let's be honest, you fall down a lot. Uh (laughs) It it hurts a lot. Uh I mean, I ended up breaking my collarbone right here. My, my daughter actually just this year, she broke her leg. So there's this place where it is going to be athletic and you're going to push yourself. I, in some things, my goal with, with those activities is really, am I teaching them the process of overcoming? That's really what I was, there's a family time. And then there's the process of overcoming. Like you will fall down, then you learn, then you fall down less. Now we go down a little steeper slope. So you're trying to teach the process. So I would try to, you know, I would bring things to try to make it as fun as possible because I had. A couple of my kids were like, oh, I don't know. So I would be like, hey, let's let's bring treats. And then after we go, we always get to go out to eat and make sure it's fun and enjoyable because there is pain with that level of learning. And if you don't make some of those painful experiences good, then they will leave them. 
So that's where I think from my own experience, it's, I haven't had complete, like, I don't want to do it. It's more like the resistance and the scared. If you have someone who's totally different, I would be, it would be interesting to see how that happens. It's like, were you taking your kids with you on your activities? Were you reading with them? I mean, if, if you neglect them for 10 years and then you wonder why they don't like to do the same stuff as you, then it's kind of an obvious case. But to me, it was, I was always kind of doing stuff with them through my, through the years and therefore I didn't have these big divides, but there are some that happen. And to me, it's like, well, how is it more important to pull them in and say, okay, well, we'll do a shorter hike or you can sit at the lodge while we ski. Like there's a lot of things that are coming around. Like you want to include them as much as possible. Okay. Okay. While you expect, um, respect their difference. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Very good. Very good. Now you mentioned, um, in your article about trust and transparency, successful businesses have both. What about the family where the parents say, cause I said so. <laughs> uh -huh. I think I've thought about that. And I think there's some developmental stuff. If you look at kids when they're super young, you know, a two-year-old, why shouldn't I clock cross the road? Well, should I explain the physics of it? Should I explain, like, at what level can I explain it to the kid? So there's a place where you need to have a, some basic rules for safety that the kids follow. I think once they start to reason and say, well, why? Well, you say, well, and you start to actually go through the rules. If you are if you have rules that are just rules for no real purpose, then it's a problem. You should have a purpose behind the rules. Like, why do I need to go to bed at nine? Why do I need to read books? Why do I need, why can't I just play games? Why can't I be on social media? You should take some time. Well, here's why you're trying to teach them how to think, right? And reason that's really why you're, you're concerned with those and setting those boundaries. So that's where I think you need to discuss it. Once they get into the place where they can actually understand it, trying to keep it age appropriate can be challenging, but I think it's better to give a little more complexity than just, well, you have to right now. Then people are just like, oh, you're a tyrant. So when I'm a parent, I can be a tyrant too. And that's where you see it, you know, in companies, you'll see the same thing. Like as a CEO, you can't just be like, do what I say. We're all adults and we want to understand why and we want to learn. So I think explaining things in a business sense is important. And I think it's important in a family sense as well. Okay. Boy, you're touching on pretty much every aspect of relationships because you're talking about communication right there, genuine communication. I like mm -hmm. it. I like it. Now, um, I have one question that I also read in your work about hiring a spouse. What is that about? Well, if I, I view that as kind of, it's a little bit of an edgy thing. We've talked about a little bit, but it's, how are we, how are you see these kids now on these apps and there's, they're just looking, is this person attractive? No, yes. Oh, maybe I'll look a little bit. Boom. What do they care about? Right. If we, we don't hire people like that into companies, we, we think of, we think about it and go, what do we, what do we want this person to do? What skills do we want them to have? What culture do they want them to have? It can be so challenging. And I've seen this in number of relationships. If you're, if you marry different cultural values than you're used to, Right. Like my dad was a white collar. He was a professor. Um, he, he gets more and more valuable as he gets more, more and more <laughs> experience. Whereas if you look at someone who's blue collar, usually their body starts to break down because it's so demanding, whether you're in, you know, plumbing 
I have a brother who's an arborist. He cuts trees down. So my my sister who married the arborist, she was like, how do I do this? Now my this model's breaking down because he's getting older and he hasn't transitioned to a different business model. Like most, most blue collar tr- people will transition to be the entrepreneur and hire people and train people. But he didn't want to do that because he didn't like to train people and didn't trust them. So then you're like, ooh, your business model's breaking down. Like it was good for a little bit but it will break down. So that's where I think it's looking at it like you would a job. What cultural values do they need to have? What skills do they need to have, right? I mean, my wife, I don't think would be a great wife for Donald Trump. And I don't think, you know, like he needs like this socialite type person. So it's really like, what are you expecting out of this person thinking through that and kind of putting together a job description so you can go, well, they're, they're very attractive and we get along but our cultures are so far apart. It's going to be rough to try to build a relationship here. Oh, but if you love them enough, they'll change. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That, that is a great myth, but it's the, I mean, it would be like hiring someone who loves sales and then wondering why they're not a good programmer. Right. (laughs) You're like, do you suck so bad at programming? Yeah. I'm a salesperson. Put me in that role. I'll excel. Put me in the other role and I will fail. And so it's, that's where I look at it. Like you can, you can, you can hope that they'll change. You can think, oh, I could show them a better way, but it's, that's their culture. And a lot of that's their identity. And that can be very challenging. So try to hire, look, (laughs) look at it more from a job description. What is the culture? I mean, I ended up, my my father-in-law was an electrical engineer. I studied mechanical engineering, right? My father-in-law did a lot of the work in the house. I've done a lot of that, right? There's those cultural elements and structural things were very easy for my wife and I to come together. There's always friction, but it was much easier than if, you know, she had been, you know, Donald Trump's daughter and used to just entertaining people. And I'm like, we got to work here, like... <laughs> There's some hard stuff we got to get through together. Okay. Okay. So are there any specific um, mental health issues that you've seen come out of, um, I don't know, uh, a poor family business model? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest mental health that I've seen, and it's been fairly close, is, is these young kids who, especially young boys, who don't really have, they weren't really trained. They weren't really pushed when they were young, either because their dad was away all the time or they didn't have a dad. So then they kind of were just wandering around trying to figure out what to do. Depression, you know, you have some of the transgender stuff that I've heard. I'm like, I just, they don't know where their place in the world is. And so that's where I think adults or parents, especially are, we're supposed to help them find their place. And I think we've hit this place where you can be anything, yeah, but I don't need to be anything. I need to be something. So it's much more like, how are we helping our kids find the thing that they can be successful? I mean, like you say, it can be a little bit of a weavy path through life, but helping them get on successful paths, not being like, I don't know, you have so much potential. Cool. But potential to do what? I need direction more so than I need, you know, encouragement of you choose. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of cheer, a big fan of cheerleading. Because half the teams with cheerleaders lose. So <laughs> uh-huh. I'm interested in productive and constructive <laughs> guidance and thinking patterns. So um, that that is really unfortunate. And I, I do 
um, worry, honestly, about the younger generations because of that lack of direction and just this attachment to um, these facades of social media, of what other people's lives look like. So I'm, I'm actually very worried about it. Yeah, and that's... <laughs> I've seen that with my some of my younger my kids when they were going through the younger years and having trouble with social media because they're comparing themselves to oh this is you know it used to be you'd compare yourself to your group well I'm okay I'm pretty good attractiveness now you're going I'm going to compare myself to every woman in the world on Instagram holy cow she's so hot like there's no way I can compete so there's a lot of that comparison stuff that I've seen where you're like why do you care (laughs) like she lives a thousand miles away She's not. She in the might same... have had surgery. <laughs> yeah, she's not natural. Well, and and then the other thing, like you say on Instagram, that facade. There was one woman I was listening on YouTube, and this woman had reached out and said, "Hey, can you come? You're like this very powerful, you know, boss babe. You're doing so well in life." She reached out on Instagram, and she was pushing, you know, like putting all the great things up. And she said, "You know, I I, I could I I'd love to, but I don't know where I'm going to be because I'm homeless right now, right?" And so you're like, wait, what? <laughs> you have this facade of everything put together, and yet everything is literally the worst it could be almost. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what a bummer. Okay. Oh, wow. Aaron, this is fascinating. I I had an idea of what to expect, yet I didn't know what to expect. So I'm I'm... I'm really liking the connection you made between successful businesses and successful families. And I love that you do bring in these different elements of, of healthy relationships because they are very important to our health and well-being. So um give us a what is give us a nugget. What is the one takeaway? If you can narrow it down to one that you want the audience to have? Uh, I I think it would be around investing in those social connections. I think just like in a business, the social relationships are hard to see, but you can do that in so many ways. If you're at college, when you're in different groups, when you're in your neighborhood, just reaching out, even in your company, reaching out and working on those relationships, what I call investing for social returns. Mm-hmm. That will help you be more successful in all areas of your life. If you have good people, they will help you find my, I had my most successful job that I had was from a friend of 17 years. And it just happened to be finally right time, right place. And we had been connected for that long and I hadn't moved. So invest in those social connections and you will find yourself much healthier and wealthier than you would otherwise. Okay. I like that. I like that a lot. So you authored the book, The Family Flywheel. Mm -hmm. How can um, anyone purchase the book or reach out to you if they have any questions or want some consulting? Yeah. So my my book's on Amazon in Audible. That was fun recording it. (laughs) (laughs) No one likes listening to themselves. Audible, soft cover, and in the Kindle format. Um, it's on some other places, you know, different audible places or audiobooks. And then I have a website, thefamilyflywheel.com. You can email me at Aaron at thefamilyflywheel.com. I'd love to hear from people. I'm really in this to help. And then you can find me on LinkedIn and Facebook at Aaron K. Shelley. 
Okay. And you do have a free download on your website. Yeah, I have a number of free downloads. It's a form to help you kind of go through what's your business model. It's not a, it's, this isn't a trivial thing. What, what's your purpose in life? What are your cultural values? What are the structures? What are your, what's your culture trying to figure that out. And then also looking at your resources, because I do think that a lot of people have a lot more access to resources than they are aware of. I don't know about you, but I love helping people who ask me like, Hey, can you help me with this? Yes, for sure. You know, even if it's monetary, but a lot of times that's not the most important things. It's I can help them with connections. So it's helping with really define your resources and define your business model. Okay. Okay. Wow. This has been really interesting and time has actually flown. <laughs> so yep. I, I really, really do appreciate you being here. And um, I really hope people reach out to you or at least put these elements into play into their own family so we can make this world better for everybody. Yeah, I, I, the, way, the metaphor I use is every family is a pillar in our society. And we're like the Colosseum. We have all these pillars. And if we knock out too many, the whole society is going to collapse. So I'm really trying to reinforce all these pillars in any way that I can. So please reach out if I can do anything for you. Okay. All right. You hear them. You heard that audience. Please reach out to, to Aaron and see how he can help you. And thank you again for tuning into this episode of the Glenn Alex show. We really hope that you gained a new understanding of family and how you can help your family function well to help all of us. <laughs> so please reach out to Aaron if you need to and tune into the Glenn Alex show for the next episode. Thank you. Refresh your spirit with a nourishing thought. Please allow me to leave you with this nourishing thought. Actress Bakshan said, my family is my strength and my weakness. As a clinical social worker, I work with adults who carry childhood wounds from family issues. Family is our first introduction into socialization and to humanity. So childhood wounds very often show up in adulthood. And FYI, many people believe that they should just be over it because time has, has passed. The reality is we don't just get over it without appropriately processing experiences. And one key to a healthy adulthood is a functional family. Such minimizes the emotional and mental wounds that are created in childhood and that carry over into adulthood. You see, there, every family, every family has different levels of dysfunction. That's why there are these different theories out there to help families function well. I suggest you start with understanding and respecting the diverse personalities, needs, and capabilities of each member so you can make your family a source of strength. And reach out for guidance if you need support or help in this area. You could also learn more about family and relationships by visiting glennalex.com by ordering your copy of my award-winning book, Living in Total Health, and by scheduling your complimentary consultation with me to help you appropriately process experiences. Then 
tune in to the next episode of The Glenn Alex Show. And until next time, be well. Joyful, connected, confident, cool.